Thanks, Peter. That was brilliant. A real whistle-stop tour from an insider into the recent history of football. I have three questions that already come up here, Peter, but I did reserve the right of the <laughs> chair to ask the first question. And that, and that is, you, you've been someone who sought out uh, the new pathway, whether it was going from BBC Local Radio into Network Radio into then Radio 5. Um, you're now working on a South African channel. Uh, you've worked for FIFA. You've worked across YouTube. You've someone I'll say computer games is, is something that, that you, you're very famous for as well. How do you explain the international success story of the English Premier League when Italy or Spain or Germany could equally have been the leagues that captured the world imagination? That's a really good question, Paddy. Uh, and I must say it is down to the determination of the Premier League to uh, achieve that preeminence. And I guess, truthfully, at the core of that is the television deal or the television deals it has struck. It has, it has made the Premier League into the wealthiest league. Uh, and whilst this seems like a sort of facile connection, that has enabled it to have the very best players. It has been the go-to league for the world's players. So whilst it is the English league, it has become the international league. Um, it remains the case that there are still a small peppering of clubs that within Europe players might prefer to go to than any in the Premier League. There's Real Madrid, there's Barcelona, perhaps there's Bayern Munich. But that aside, you know, I think whilst I'm no expert on the finances of football, it is probably a preferable move at the moment for a good international footballer to play for a team in the middle of the Premier League, a Wolves or a Burnley or even now Sheffield United, than it is perhaps to join Milan, you know, because, because of the prominence of the Premier League, because of the wages they are paid. And truth be told, for all those of us theorists and broadcasters and people who make our living round the edge of, uh, of this game, the, the truth is that the stars remain the players. And uh, if the best players want to come to our league, our league will remain the preeminent one. I think one of the points you just made there is, is about the numbers of people who make money out of the game. Living as I do in Merseyside, I, I attend matches at, at both the big clubs. And it never fails to amaze me to see how big press boxes have become when you go to the match. That When I covered Chanmere in the old second tier in you know, mid-1990s, you know, they were kick, kicking the ball away from in the Premier League. They played Premier League clubs in that time. And you might have had a press box of 40 or 50. The internet age has completely changed just the sheer range or numbers of people that cover football, doesn't it? Well, that's right. And, and that's why I think it remains a very exciting industry to be a part of. It remains a hugely competitive industry, but uh, opportunities uh, exist in greater number, possibly, than they ever had because of that. Um, what is interesting, and, and Paddy, to be truthful, you probably know more about this than I would, is... is the blur in the lines between what we would once perhaps in an old-fashioned way have called mainstream and yeah. what what we call new or uh, you, you know there is a blur between between established media and social media and where one meets the other is a very interesting uh, delineation which i guess even clubs are having to deal with perhaps you'd know about it as i say better than me where where a, a would-be journalist 
establishes a platform for himself or herself and begins to apply for accredited involvement in yeah. in football journalism you know where where does a club say no what what does one have to do to be considered established as opposed to sort of independent and niche um and and that's very difficult there remain of course the old newspapers as we once knew them um but but it is an industry that's changed so radically um because you don't have to read your news your football news uh, with the the daily mail the daily telegraph the guardian the star the sun whatever um you can choose any one of multiple platforms and and that is both exciting and maybe slightly frightening because <laughs> uh, to, to to make to make a living out of a new platform is a brave brave thing to attempt yeah I, just whenever you see podcasters independent podcasters being uh, given places in press conferences at clubs you know that the sea change really has shifted away from the old mainstream media to the new place Okay, sorry, Peter. Can I ask you? I've got three questions here from various four questions here as they're coming in. First question uh, came from the Premier League Museum, and it's a question about governance and your opinion of governance. It, it, it's how prepared is Richard Masters, the Premier League chief, uh, for the handling of this chaos, given the fact that until about a year ago, nobody wanted to, to do that job? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> poor guy, he didn't sign up for this, did he? Mm. Uh, and I, I will say this, I, I, I am not in any way minded to be um, critical of those in charge at the moment. Not out of particular cowardice, but uh, out of an understanding that they have been thrown into a position um, which was entirely unforeseeable and is frankly uh, horrendous in terms of governance. As you say, Replacing Mr. Scudamore as the boss of the Premier League was in itself a massive ask and several big names proved reluctant to take it on. He has now taken it on and faces the biggest problem by far um, of its existence. Uh, and I guess it will define him. We, we will find out how prepared he is to take it on. In the end, the Premier League is made up of 20 rivalrous clubs, each of whom, as we've been seeing over the course of the last few weeks, has its own particular agenda and needs to look after its own interests. Uh, to keep those interests coordinated um, and in some sense moving in the same collective direction is the work of a genius. And if he pulls it off and retains a united, progressive, successful family very well. I suppose in comparison to Scotland as well, uh, which has gone through a civil war, uh, the Premier League's doing doing quite well, isn't it? Well, it is. It absolutely is. I mean, it, it's interesting we're having this conversation now, Paddy, because, of course, this is a critical week um, in the sort of semi-resolution of this problem. And the Premier League pretty soon is going to have to make up its mind whether it can finish the season, what it's right to do ethically within the context of, of, a, of a much, much wider and much, frankly, more important uh, problem than its own problem. Um, uh, how it is right to go about it and how, uh, if it can't play the football matches, uh, it's going to resolve its season. Um, and I suppose it's only natural that it is caught up in in, in 20 different stories of, of self-interest. I mean, it, you know, it, it, it must be a little more than a coincidence that it's the bottom six clubs who are finding problems with, uh, <laughs> with, with wanting to resolve, you know, uh, with wanting to resume. Um, and, and who can blame them? People look after themselves in a way. 
Um, it, it, listen, all I can say to him is good luck. <laughs> but but it does in in, a, in an industry that's famously leaky in terms of what gets released to the press and what gets re- uh, released to broadcasters and you guys. The Premier League has been quite well disciplined in terms of what has made it into the public sphere in comparison to Scotland, where there is an outright civil war happening now, where the Scottish radio is dominated by this thing happening on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Scotland does appear at the moment to be a basket case, doesn't it? And, and uh, it's, it's in a terrible state. Um, it, its model is, of course, a very complex and fragile one anyway, because it has these two monstrously big clubs and the rest. And that has always been a problem for it. Um, and uh, I think that the threat to many of the what you might call larger clubs, but still tiny by comparison with uh, Celtic and Rangers, the threat to them is huge. And, and the structure of the league is critical for them. They rely on their games against Rangers and Celtic for the for big portions of their income and indeed their local economies. I, I remember hearing stories during that period when Rangers were consigned to the lower leagues for various reasons, how fairly major clubs, the sort of Kilmarnocks of this world, St Johnston and so on, the, the economy around their grounds um, suffered hugely because they missed the two major paychecks, two of the four yeah. major paychecks of every year. Yeah. And, and so this is a very complex model because Rangers is just one club but it is one of the two dominant clubs Uh, and again sorting out that would be um, horrendous but you're right in England actually the discipline is very good it's not unreasonable that that the chief executives and chairman of of various clubs have a voice and are enabled to articulate their argument but actually in fairness even to those who might be considered to some extent in a very minor way a little rebellious at the moment even their discipline is reasonable uh, and and they make their points within uh, a fair context and and actually you're right uh, very little comes out of these premier league meetings that they wouldn't want to come out of them yeah. uh, les crang who's one of the the, the people who organized this conference along with sartak and is very active on social media has asked a really interesting question in terms of broadcasting which is why does sam chisholm not get the coverage that he should do Whenever we come to talk about, you talked about Sky being the great innovator. You know, uh, we, we don't actually talk about the great innovators within that company and what they did in the game. Well, no, that's true. I mean, I wasn't sort of there at the very start of Sky, but you're right. I mean, Sam Chisholm is, is one of those legendary names that you, you hear mentioned. Uh, and there are probably actually uh, plenty who were, as it were, the power behind his button. Um, and Button is probably a, a, a pertinent word because uh, Sky came up with lots of buttons to press, you know, and, <laughs> and, yeah. and, and they did brilliant things. And, you know, actually during this lockdown, there's been a lot of nostalgic football on the television, hasn't there? Yeah. You know, games you can watch from the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s and games which feel relatively recent to me. You, you put on and you think, wow look at what has happened in just 20 years in terms of television coverage. The points of difference are huge. And back in, well, I watched a game as many would have done from Euro 96 last night, England against Switzerland was on ITV4, the opening game of Euro 96. And you think, well, you know, these were just guys pointing cameras at a game of football. And at the time it was state of the art and as it should be and all of that. But um, the innovation has been extraordinary. And, um, you're right. I mean, Sam Chisholm and the start of Sky Sports was what it was all about. 
because in that time, as I did identify, Sky, Sky muddied the patch for a lot of people. Sky took away the live games we'd been enjoying on ITV and BBC. Sky made it, um, Sky was a pain in the neck to A, to the establishment and B, uh, to many supporters. It's funny now because we all accept that Sky is football and football is Sky. But at the start, we were irritated because suddenly somebody was asking us to pay and um, somebody was moving the kickoff times. And, you know, it, it wasn't what we really wanted. And so Sky had to work very, very hard at proving in a way it was worth the hassle. You know, it had to do something bigger and better than it had ever been done before. And over a period of time, great credit to Sam Chisholm and many, many others, um, it's achieved that. Now, listen, we can still moan about Sky and football supporters do because it moves the kickoffs and it tells Bournemouth to go to Newcastle at 12.30 on a Saturday or vice versa. And it does things we might not like, but it does also pay a huge amount of money, which which did enable football to modernise uh, in terms of its stadia and uh, and so much else. And it took television production of football to a completely new level. I know we've only got you for an extra another five minutes if we're lucky if we can push you so I'll combine two questions from uh, Joe Welford and Robin Ireland first one is do you think that Joe's asking you know all of the debate around the return of football is around the TV contracts having to be fulfilled so first question from Joe is you know is football now unduly under the control of television and moving that a wee step further Robin Ireland saying with the Bundesliga starting earlier than other leagues, is there a risk that the Premier League might fall behind or that the Bundesliga may steal some audience from the Premier League? Two really good questions. Um, the one on the Bundesliga I'll take first. Uh, I, I must say I've thought that. I've wondered that. And I worry that that sort of dynamic might unduly affect the thinking of administrators in any given country. You know, let's get us on and we can show our product to the world while no one else is rivaling it. Uh, I hope that's not the case, but the Bundesliga is a very, has a very exciting season actually ongoing. It has a really yeah, good title yeah. race. Um, it has some very good players, not least some players of interest to the English. Um, and uh, it, it's going to have its moments of in the sunshine, you know, BT, I would think, is very, very excited that the, you know, the Bundesliga is going to get viewing figures the like of which it hasn't had before. I think that's an interesting one and worth keeping our eye on, and we'll we'll only discover as as the story unfolds. As for football's influence over football and the restart, oh, sorry, television's influence over football uh, and the potential restart, I think it's unarguable that that influence is absolutely huge, um, uh, and and you can. You can perceive that as you choose. Uh, at, at one end of the argument, you can say that football sold its soul to television. If, if, if you are disdainful of that relationship, mm. it's not difficult to be disdainful because television is football's paymaster, certainly at the very top level. Oh, it's interesting, you know, Accrington Stanley don't want to restart, do they? Because they, for them, playing with no supporters going through the turnstile costs and they can't afford that cost, and, and they're just one of many. But at the top end, football, uh, television pays for it. So you can resent that, or you can see the advantages which over the last quarter of a century have come as a result of it. Um, but what it does mean is that in this unforeseeable set of circumstances, um, 
the um, the debt that football feels, or in fact, literally owes to television, is is one is one that needs to be paid. Uh, and it's just well, not just one more factor. It is perhaps the major factor in determining what happens next. If you could predict the future, would you see the future as being a pay-per-view Amazon model where you'll be streaming any game that you want as opposed to uh, the current model, which is curated, I suppose, or scheduled by Sky? Or um, similar broadcasters? Yeah, that, that's really interesting. It, it depends how for how long and, and uh, how profoundly Sky wants to keep being the... the um, the sort of chief purveyor of football. I mean, let's face it, Sky's whole business model has lent on Premier League football. And without it, Sky would not be uh, what it currently is. As simple as that. You know, when, with, with the latest negotiations, it became clear that Sky without the Premier League was desperate. So it did everything it could to ensure that it remained the main broadcast of the Premier League. And truthfully, the same is true now of BT and the Champions League. When the Champions League came up for grabs, there were all sorts of scare stories from BT's point of view about it going elsewhere. BT had to pull out every stop because without the Champions League, there ended up on BT for people to subscribe. Um, and so here are the two, what we would now call, prominent, preeminent um, football broadcasters, each with a property that they can't afford to lose. But that doesn't mean that eventually they won't lose it, yeah. because um, eventually Amazon, who were launched very, very successfully last December, people were, were not certain it would work, but broadly speaking, people were happy that it did work, you know, and it did give that flexibility, and it did mean that you didn't have to watch Manchester United against Tottenham if you'd rather watch Watford against Sheffield United. And that appeals to real fans of real clubs. Um, you know, that, that was quite warmly embraced, more warmly embraced than I've ever really known for a new launch. Because as I say, when Sky came in, people were sceptical, very sceptical. Any of their potential uh, rivals have been greeted sceptically because people don't like change. But actually, Amazon, it felt to me as though the country was quite ready for that. Um, and so that, with every three-year cycle, is going to become a bigger and bigger threat to the established broadcasters. Oh, thanks very much. And showed your old-school journalism chops there by landing right on the very button of when you were due to go. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> it takes it to... It's a rare skill and I'll never lose it. Listen, thanks very much, Peter. We're so glad that you came and, and you've, you've given opened this conference for us and uh, we wish you every success in the future. Thank you very much. Have a virtual Paddy, a virtual thanks so much. Thank you so much and uh, have a great day. I hope everybody has a really good conference today. It's a great idea. Thank you. Nice one, mate. Thank you.